0: Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place.
1: To the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, hosted by me, David Mendelson, here with
0: our normal friends Art Tornabeni, Hag Simea. To all members of the tribe, Happy Passover! Uh, We celebrated here in the house. I am here to report that potato kugel is delicious.
1: I can vouch, kugel is a a once in a, uh, it's it's on a, it's exceptional. If you have not had a Google, I don't know what you're doing with your life. God, give it a try. Um, and Eric Mendelssohn, what's going on? Same old thing, just a different day. Ash feels uh, like the same nothing new in your nothing new in your quarantine life. Nah, same. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, <laughs> um, we've got a big show today, um, so we're gonna hop right into our news and notes. All right. Uh, first, uh, a bat used by the New York Yankees legend Lou Gehrig that dated back to 1922 actually sold for over a million dollars uh, this week. Uh, bought by Chris Ivory, director of sports auctions at Heritage. Um, or, I, I'm sorry, uh, private buyer, but the director of sports heritage, Chris Ivory, was the one who uh, gave him the item. Uh, I think, did you guys have any memories of Lou Gehrig? I know we didn't get
0: to watch him play, but what sticks out in your mind when you hear Lou Gehrig? Lou Gehrig oh, put almost Babe Ruth numbers up at the same time Babe Ruth put up those numbers. Lou Gehrig was as almost as far ahead of the league as Babe Ruth was. Now, he's remembered for playing the game streak and for the speech at the end of his career. Today, I consider myself the luckiest, luckiest man, man, man. You know, um, but people forget that he was like, 95% Babe Ruth when Babe Ruth was so far ahead of everyone else. Uh, I, lo- I I wish I had a million dollars. I'd love to have that bat. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: the other bit of news we have. A plan dictated that 30 teams playing games with no fans at stadiums at the Phoenix area, including Diamondbacks Chase Field, 10 spring training facilities and perhaps other nearby fields has emerged as an option, likeliest to work, that has been embraced by both the MLB and the MLB Players Association. We talked about this a little bit on the previous show, um, but it seems to, in the last couple of days, have a possibility of gaining more traction, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan. Um, the question I want to have from this, because I know we, we dove into this a little bit on our last show. Um, there has been the floated topic of having seven inning games. My question for you guys, uh, and Eric, I'll start with you. If it meant having more games, would you want to have seven inning games or would you rather have less and have nine inning games? I'd rather have nine inning games, but I feel like with the schedule being condensed, seven innings is what's going to be best for everyone. At this point I I would take baseball back in any capacity. I miss it. I miss fantasy. Um, there's definitely a void with it not being here. Reed, Art, what about you?
0: I, I just, I don't like the, the seven inning game idea to try and cram in more games. I think that whole idea is about getting as many games in to convince networks to give the full amount of network TV money. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea for baseball. I agree. I, I'm, I can't say
1: I would, I mean, it's such a different game starter goes 6 innings and then you only have one reliever coming instead of having, you know, three or four. People uh, will it's a whole different games game like it's 1920 again. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. Um so this week we have Justin Mason coming on. Uh Justin Mason is a fantasy analyst and he actually runs uh the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational which he'll, he explains in um an interview that we have with him coming up for you guys. He also won the fantasy baseball podcast of the year for sleeper in the bus in 2018, the uh, FSWA award. Uh, So we had a great conversation with him. Um, He went into our main topic. We kind of talked with him about our best and worst picks uh, in rounds 11 through 15 based off fantasy pros, ADP for 12 team point leagues. Um, 12 team points leagues. These are picks 121 through 180. Um, so we hope you enjoy um, our time with Justin Mason. we really thrilled having him on. Um, so enjoy it, guys. Uh, you uh, two want to say anything to the listeners before we get out of here? Uh, guess what initials Justin Mason shares with? Who? Jeff McNeil. Uh, we, uh, we, thanks for giving. We almost won a show without talking about Jeff McNeil. Weekly shout-out to Jeff McNeil. Jeff I know that you're seeing our tweets. We're going to keep giving them to you. Uh, you know, one of these days, hopefully you respond. We love you, Jeff. All right, we welcome in Justin Mason. You might know Justin. He's a fantasy analyst. Uh, he's the owner of Friends with Fantasy Benefits. He, is, he writes for Fangraphs. Uh, and also, they, he won uh, the FSWA Fantasy Baseball Podcast of the Year for Sleeper and the Bus in 2018. He also runs the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational.
2: Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Getting to talk to you guys, even though we're quarantined. That's that's kind of nice. Yeah. Isn't technology
1: awesome? I love it. <laughs> um, so the first thing before we hop into our content, would you be able to tell us a little bit about the, uh, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational?
2: Yeah. So the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational is the largest fantasy baseball industry league uh, around uh, that is exclusively for for the industry. Uh, it started off a few years back uh, when I was first getting into the industry. I was trying to figure out ways of getting noticed, uh, and I came up with the idea, not thinking I'd ever get in something like Labor and Ta Wars, uh, which I've been lucky enough to to be invited into. Um, and so uh, the idea was, hey, I'm never going to get a shot to play against some of these big guys in the industry. Uh, unless I come up with some sort of reason for them to play me. Uh, and so I came up with TGFBI. So it's a collection of 15 team leagues. Uh, and we have uh, 395 participants this year. Uh, and it, uh, it's set up like NFBC is. So, and it's on the NFBC platform uh, this year and last year. Uh, so that way you're playing against the members of your league, but you're also playing for an overall component uh, as well and uh it's been very very just well received by the industry uh I, I get a lot of credit and i'm more than happy to take the credit but ultimately <laughs> it comes down to the fact that the industry as a whole has really uh embraced it Justin, that's awesome i think that's to be able to put
1: something together like that and, and be excelling at the way you are um it, that is just inc- it's awesome i think um you know we all are big fans of you and then uh to be able to put something together like that for the entire industry is just is just awesome. I think. Yeah, so. I I really like that idea. It's kind of cool because you know with a league you're seeing you know 11, 13 other people with this. It's it's on a broader scale with people that really like it. It's it's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's it's really cool because it it really gets to shine a light on maybe some people that uh, normally you would never hear of, uh, and uh, you know and uh, you. I mean, the. Let's for instance, the guy who has, I believe, done the best over the course of the last uh, or the first two seasons of it is Kenyatta Storin. Now, a lot of people aren't gonna know who Kenyatta Storin is, uh, but he uh, not only uh has been, I believe, in the top ten of the overall both the first two years, uh, in TGFBI, but he also was in like the top ten of uh the Scott Fish Bowl. I mean, that's wow. an impressive like, wow. list of accomplishments yeah. uh, for fantasy baseball and fantasy football. Uh, and for those who don't know what Scott Fishbowl is, is I mean, it's, it's the, the fantasy football version of, of TGFBI, but even larger. I mean, I think they had almost 1,000 or over a 1,000 participants last year because they include people who aren't in the industry uh, as well. And, um, you know, I mean, he's getting a lot of recognition well-deserved. Uh, and so it, it's cool to see guys who may not get the spotlight that, you know, they normally would that get that because or get it because they're participating in these leagues and and doing well. So it's, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of giving everybody an opportunity to shine. Uh, and I think TGFBI is one of the ways to do that.
1: So do if if people are interested in joining the uh, TGFBI, how do they they get
2: involved? <laughs> we can so T- Friends yeah so t g f b i <laughs> is for the industry um you have to be producing some sort of content uh within the fantasy baseball industry. I'm very, very lax on what I count as you know producing content like you can't just have a twitter account like that right. that's like one of the cutoffs like someone's like, oh, I got a Twitter account and i and I tweet out stuff about fantasy baseball It's like, well, that's not producing content you got to have a website or a podcast or I mean, shoot, I, I let the guy who runs Rotoware in because he's doing a lot for the fantasy industry. Yeah. You know, I, I, I got a guy who I don't think he's I don't think he joined this year, but he was doing like web web development for DraftKings and he was able to prove that. And, um, and I was like, you know, you're part of the industry. Uh, now, if you're not in the industry and you want to get in, you can get in via satellite leagues uh, and satellite leagues uh, are kind of, you know, your way to win your way in. So I, I run. A bunch of satellite leagues every year the only requirement there is you donate uh any amount to uh you know to uh my or one of my paypal accounts and then i and then i donate that off to a charity of my choosing um and you know we i think we've raised about four thousand dollars or no it's probably about two thousand or three thousand dollars this year uh for charity uh, through that. Uh, you can sign up for either TGFBI or a TGFBI satellite at TGFBI.com uh, and I believe I, I know for sure that the for the actual TGFBI I've already set up the link. I don't know for the satellites if I have yet or not so I'd have to double check that.
1: Just that's awesome I, I actually um, I make off uh, podcast airs need to uh, find some more information about that because that just sounds incredible um, but again I think we're all uh, amazed at everything you put together for that. It, it just sounds incredible. Um, I'm, I'm going to love to hear some of your insight on this main piece we're going to get into now. Uh, we're going to look kind of in the middle of these mock drafts according to Fantasy Pros ADP. We're going to be looking at 12 team points leagues. Uh, these are picks 121 to 180 to so rounds 11 through 15. And we're going to find out some guys that Justin's targeting in some of these drafts, and some guys that he's kind of stay away from. So uh, we're going to start with round 11. This is picks 121 through 132. So, Justin, who are some guys in this range that you're going to be targeting in some of these leagues that you're drafting?
2: Oh, man. All right. So I hope I have the right, the right page open because I, I wrote <laughs> down a huge list of names off of the uh, Fantasy Pros ADP uh, now, the first thing you want, like, even before we start talking about list of players, when you're looking at ADP, always, like, make sure you're looking at, like, the right ADP for whatever your league is. And uh, when I say that, each major site, like, ha- caters to a specific type of league. So, like, ESPN caters to 10-team leagues. So, if you're not playing in a 10-team league, unless you're playing it on ESPN, like, you shouldn't be using ESPN ADP. Like, like that very good point you, you know cbs caters to points leagues yahoos caters to points leagues and roto but they have weird roster requirements so just you know be very careful about where you're pulling your adp from uh and that it, it correlates with the league that you're actually going to be playing or the site you're going to be playing on um so like the first person that jumps out at me in between like 121 and you said 132 yes uh like, I'm staying away from Carlos Carrasco. I'm staying away from Donelson um, uh Like, both those guys have serious question marks heading into the season, especially with a shortened season in which, you know, we don't know how many games we're going to get. We could get 120, but we're more likely to get 80 than we are to get over 100, in my opinion. And guys who can really blow up your ratios are going to sink your season. And a guy like Lamette totally could do that. Uh, I mean, he he has a ton of strikeout potential. That's great, especially in a points league format. But, I mean, he could also murder you uh, because he gives up too many home runs or too many walks. And uh, that's the kind of guy I'm staying away from. And then as much as I'm rooting for Carlos Carrasco, and I hope I'm wrong because dude is a fun pitcher and seems like a really great guy and he's come back from cancer, we have no idea – what he's going to be like physically on the mound. I know we saw him come back at the end of last year, but uh, he was dealing with injury stuff when spring training was going around. We have no idea what kind of training and stuff uh, he's going to be doing. In the meantime, if he can do any training, there's just so many question marks. I'm just staying the hell away from Carlos Carrasco.
1: I think that's a good point that you brought with Carrasco. I feel like he was the type of pitcher, even before the whole cancer thing last year where you know he would go seven innings, give up three runs, and get ten strikeouts. But then his next start, you know, might go two and a third and give up seven earned runs, and just completely kill, um, you know, the start for you that day. Just, just destroy your any chance of you winning your matchup. Just the the negative he would give you. Um, I know, Eric. I know you're a big Carlos Carrasco guy, or you have been in the past. Is are do you are you on the same page with Justin as well with Carrasco? Um- I, I like him a little more because he has relief pitcher eligibility. So I think if Cleveland maybe used him as, as someone that pitched, you know, four or five innings, that he'd be effective. Like a Ryan Yarborough? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think his days of ace potential are over, but he could give you, you know, solid relief rule if that's what the Indians put him at. Justin, is there anybody in this round that you really like that you're going to try to target?
2: Oh, there's a number of guys. I really like Lance Lynn. Uh, people act like the, the changes he made about 18 months ago uh, are some sort of aberration. And it, it's largely because he's an older pitcher and people don't want to buy into guys breaking out later. But he made some mechanical changes. And for the last 18 months, he's just been a stud guy. Uh, another guy I really like in this... Well, there's a number of guys I really like in, <laughs> this, in, in this this round. Yinjin um, uh, Ryu. He's getting pushed and pushed and pushed down Because he's going to the AL East, uh, because he's going to be on turf, uh, because the defense behind him isn't great. Those are all reasons to push him down. But I think the hate has gone a little bit too far to steal an old Matthew Berry term. (laughs) Um, And uh, if we are playing games in, like, neutral locations, he's not going to be playing in turf. He's not going to be playing in Rogers Stadium uh like those things will have a positive impact on him and I don't think he's been getting credit for it so and I mean he's always been a very good pitcher when he's on the mound in a shortened season there's less time for him to get hurt I I think yeah I, I mean looking at his numbers I mean his ERA was
1: exceptional last year and um I mean, Toronto, I I know people are going to be skeptical. I mean, he's going from the Dodgers offense to the Toronto offense. But Toronto has got a sneaky good offense, I think, that might give him some good run support. And and Justin, it was a really good point. Uh, If they're not necessarily going to be, you know, he's not pitching in Yankee Stadium and he's not pitching in in Fenway, that's probably only going to help his chances to keep his ERA down. Um, Looking at round 12, we're looking at picks 133 through 144. Uh, Justin, who catches your eye in this round?
2: Oh, uh, I mean, Trey Mancini, for the same reasons of Carlos Carrasco, we just don't know what his physical state is going to be. And it, I just, as much as I think he tends to be an underrated asset in fantasy, I, I'm just taking him off my board. I, I mean, he plays just in too bad on too bad of a team to really rack up runs and RBIs to the amount that other guys in this area will. Uh, We just have no idea what his health situation is going to look like and and be like uh, kind of going into the season whenever that does start. So he's, he's a guy I'm just completely taking off my board. Uh, Rossio Iglesias. I, I think there, there's been some talk by people that um, closers will have be more stable this year because we'll have a shorter season and, 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 uh managers won't be uh guys won't be able to blow enough games uh, quickly enough to lose their jobs and i think that that is poor uh thinking i think we could actually see the opposite where guys have a shorter leash uh because with if you're only playing 80 or 100 games if you fall out of contention very quickly you have a lot less time to catch up um and so a guy like Iglesias who has been very shaky over the last few seasons uh, playing on a team like the Reds, who obviously made trades and made moves to to bring guys in because they want to compete right now, uh, I think he will be on a very very short leash, and there's a chance he could get pulled. Uh, Corey Seager, if if you've ever heard my work, uh, or heard heard my work heard my work <laughs> uh, read my work or, or heard me, uh, you know how much I, I dislike him. He's coming at a big discount, just not big enough for me, uh, and his injury history. Art, is there someone in this round that sticks
0: out for you? The uh, for the same reasons Justin was talking about, I like Craig Kimbrell here, just as like a safe closer going to be going to be there Cubs closer for the whole season because he's got the contract. Is that to be the that Cubs giant. fan and you talking? It's the Cubs fan in me and the fantasy uh, fantasy fan in me because I think he's going to keep it. I think the biggest thing you run into with closers is. Are they going to be the closer for the entire season? So why, like Brandon Workman and Nick Anderson aren't that appealing in this round, but Craig Kimball. And I think to a slightly lesser extent, Hector Nears are a little bit. Um, I, I like the discount on Seager here. I think if you're like shortstops are going really high in the draft, if you're addressing other areas and you can get Seager here, it's, it, it's not a bad middle infielder or shortstop to get, in like the 11th or 12th round for, for teams that I'm trying to build if I'm going in a different direction early when everyone else is nabbing shortstop.
1: Uh, Justin, who in this round is the guy that you really want to target? I Me personally, I'm, I'm a big Nick Anderson fan. Would he be on that list or is there someone else that sticks out more to you?
2: Yeah, I'm, I think I'm with Art on Nick Anderson. Uh, I just don't know that he's necessarily the guy they go to. Tampa Bay loves to play service time games. Do they really want to start racking up his future arbitration numbers. I, I don't know. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is a guy I've always hated but because he doesn't get you strikeouts, but at some point, like the price just becomes too good. And he was throwing with added velocity uh, in spring training and with a shortened season, maybe he'd be willing to try to keep that max velocity going. Uh, I mean, got he's got pinpoint control. He's one of those guys, especially in points leagues, like he's not going to win you your week. But he's definitely going to be a glue guy for your rotation that can really help. And he's never going to hurt you. You're never going to get negative points from a guy like Kyle Hendricks. You're always going to get positive points. And there's something to be said for that kind of safety in a league. Um, You know, this, this uh, James Paxton and, and Oscar Mercado, two guys I like Paxton is going at a discount because of the injury, but he should be healthy by the time opening day comes, if it ever comes. So, I think he's a a nice little discount play. And Mercado, who got injured in spring training, should be healthy as well. And I think his price gets uh, pushed out a little bit because he got hurt. That's a good point.
1: Um, I wonder if his ADP rises um, once we have more of a definite date and Mm -hmm. see his kind of health timeline. Um, This next round is my personal favorite in in this five-round sample here. Um to me this is the round like you know when you used to uh to ride the bus to school and you'd find that open seat when you didn't think there was a seat? Like that that's the feeling I get when I see this round. And uh I I mean I used you see the guys like uh the the uh Loris Gurielles, the Robbie Rays, um the Gavin Luxes. I mean, there's a lot of potential um for guys here. Who's uh Justin, who's some guys that you like in this round?
2: Well, I definitely like I Robbie Ray, especially if you can pair him with a Kyle Hendricks, I think it was Alex Chamberlain, like tweeted out, like, if you pair Robbie Ray and Kyle Hendricks, you're getting like the equivalent of two, like, like much higher ranked pitchers because they just offset, you know, Ray offsets the strikeout deficit you get with Hendricks uh, and Hendricks offsets the, like the bad ratios that you get with Ray. So Ray's one of those guys that I like in points leagues, uh, and I don't typically take in Roto, but if you pair him right, you can use him in both. Uh, I mean, Guriel's a guy I love. I don't understand why people are sleeping on him, especially in leagues where you can play him in the infield as well. Uh, most leagues I play in, he's not eligible there, but uh, it's you know he's he's a guy that broke out towards the end of last season, and I think people are just kind of fading him maybe a little bit too much. Mike Miner, another one of those guys that's older and so he doesn't get the credit he deserves So what he's done the last few seasons. Matthew Boyd is a guy who's going to rack up strikeouts uh, and as long as the defense doesn't kill him, he should, you know, bounce back from kind of the, the slowdown. But Julio Urias is a guy that may benefit the most from a shortened season because he's a guy that uh, may have been on an innings restriction, may have gotten bounced back between the starting role and uh, and a relief role, but I think they're going to just let him ride. If they're only playing eighty games, they're just going to put their best talent on the bound, and Urias is one of them. I actually, I'm glad you brought him
1: up. I, I've heard his name um, talked about almost as much as anybody. Um, so you expect him? You think, especially with the shortened season and I mean the potential seven inning games, you think? His value is going to skyrocket.
2: Yeah, I think he, I think he is one of the few guys. Well, not few guys. There's a number of guys who are going to get bumps, or you got to take away uh, some of the uh, added value you thought you're getting. You know, guys who, if we're playing a lot of double headers and we're playing a lot of uh, game, or we're playing a lot of days where there aren't a lot of days off, uh, guys who had multi positional eligibility that were getting real bumps from that may lose a little bit of value because guys are going to be playing almost every day with doubleheaders anyways. So, you know, <laughs> I took a lot of shares of Max Muncy because I, you know, and DJ let me you early on in draft season because it's like, I love their positional eligibility. I still love it, but I, I don't know if you're going to get the added value that you thought you were originally going to get. If the season is shaped a whole lot differently than uh, we thought originally. Um, but a guy like Urias is gonna get a huge bump because the big concern was, well, were the Dodgers going to play games or, uh, you know, was he going to be capped innings wise? Well, if we're only playing 80 or hundred games, innings caps, you can throw them out the windows. All those guys you're worried about, Jesus Lizardo, uh, Julio Urias, uh, even a guy like AJ puck, like guys that you were concerned about, you know, getting capped innings wise, like. Throw those out the window. Now everybody's going to be dealing with an age cap. That's a good point, Eric. Do you? Who are you staying away
1: from in this round? Uh, I'm staying away from Kyle Tucker. If I don't think he'll ever. I think be you're a round good. ahead of us, Eric. Uh, uh, well, that's just how much I dislike. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? I'll I'll save that question for the next round. Then let's move to round fourteen, and these are uh, picks one fifty seven through 168 uh so eric why don't you start and tell us why you dislike kyle tucker I, nothing against him personally he seems like a nice guy but <laughs> i feel like he's, he's so hyped up and he'll come up and he'll hit like 182 with one homer and seven rbis in a month and then he'll get demoted and then it's like next year no he's gonna be good this year i mean they're I just, drooling at that 30 30 potential that's why if if i'm ever if he's ever a great player i'm totally totally okay with freezing cold takes exposing me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how we go off from that but uh justin who's catching your eye in this round
2: uh carlos martinez man it, uh, everything i just said about who your eyes like like is like double for carlos martinez martinez's biggest concern is staying on the mound and what role he's going to be in uh, i think The fact that the Cardinals didn't go out and get a closer. uh, They didn't go out and get more starters. I think Martinez is going to be a starter, and I think they're just going to let him go. And, I mean, he's shown the potential to be a top 15 starter in this league, and you're getting him around pick 171. Yeah, uh, sign me up on on Carlos Martinez for sure. Uh, I don't have the same reservations about Kyle Tucker. I think, uh, especially with Houston, uh, dealing with all the things kind of in the background, they may want to push players who weren't part of this spying scandal into the foreground, and yeah. Kyle Tucker's one of those guys. Uh, and, like, I mean, how long can they really run out the corpse of Josh Reddick? Like, at some point, you're going to need to give Kyle Tucker a shot. Uh, he's already accruing service time. Uh, And so now, now's the time to do it. I I think Kyle Tucker is, is playing in an everyday role pretty quick.
1: I want to go back to your Carlos Martinez point for a second. Is any part of you concerned that stretching him back out after a few years as a relief pitcher, that there's going to be a a more significant chance that he'll get hurt going back to a starter's work? I
2: think there, I mean, there's always a chance, but in a shortened season, give me the upside. Like if we're talking about 80 or a hundred games, uh, the chances are that you're not going to have to worry about him getting tired out. Now, I mean, every league has, especially when you're talking like points leagues, um, and I know that's what you guys like to talk a, a little bit. So uh, every rule or every league has different rules with points leagues. It's why fantasy analysts sometimes shy away from giving analysis on it uh unless Mm -hmm. they're working for a site like cvs and they can talk directly to the cvs scoring system or espn and talk directly to the espn scoring system um if your league has quality starts like that's gonna be uh, that's gonna that's gonna be vastly different this year i mean if we're playing seven inning games how many guys are actually gonna go six Mm -hmm. i mean you know it's, it's you're gonna see a lot of guys getting pulled before that point uh especially with larger rosters, like they're talking. So who knows what the rules are going to be like um, when we actually get to, to get to games, but give me the, or give, give me the like the pure talent and on pure talent, Carlos Martinez is a a top 20 starter for me. Okay. Um, Art, uh,
1: who are you looking
0: at in this round? Well, I, I was high on Sal Perez. I wonder about, because his big value comes from the fact that he's expected to get a lot of playing time and he has some good pop. Um, but he's going to be productive because he's going to be put out there 140 plus times or that who knows after his injury, but that's the expectation. I wonder if during this condensed schedule, that sort of advantage for catchers might lessen because uh, I, I mean, I i, I wouldn't, I, I i wouldn't expect them to be doing seven inning double headers. I, I, I hope they don't. Uh but it's still hundred and ten degrees in Arizona. Uh uh so Sal Press is someone who I, I'm I'm gonna have to bump him down a little bit because I'm I'm not sure if what made me like him is gonna be as big of an advantage in this. But um uh other than that, I I like uh, I like Alex Follamy. I'm, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at him as a, a guy who's gonna hold his job. Uh I've been liking a lot of closers in this range, I guess.
1: Interesting. Okay. So then let's move to
0: our last round.
1: And this is 169 through 180. Um, we've got a mix of a bunch of interesting guys here. Uh, Justin, who you like here in this? I, range? I like a
2: lot of guys in this range. I like Kenton Maeda, I like Malik Smith. I like Chris Davis. I like Hunter Dozier. <laughs> <I> like uh, <laughs> Brian, This is yeah, the Justin I mean, Brown. this is filled with a bunch of values. I mean, you know, Chris Davis is a guy who was going as a top 50 pick last year. And now you're getting him over 100 picks later. I mean, you know, he he lost a lot of value last year because he was hurt. If he's healthy and he's had plenty of time now to get healthy, uh, he should be fine and should deliver you a, a ton of value. Uh, and don't be afraid of, of rostering guys who are, you know, utility-only players. It's it's such an overused trope to say, oh, they clogged your lineup. That's just not true. Like, there's, there are plenty of guys that you can help uh, get to help you give yourself positional flexibility. Uh, you know, Malik Smith in a points league, yeah, maybe not as much, but uh, definitely in Roto, Malik Smith is a guy that uh, the hate has gone too far. Again, stealing that Matthew Berry uh, <laughs> saying. Um, I mean, this is a guy that led, I think, the major leagues in stolen bases last year, and he's now going to pick 175, like sign me up for the most scarce resource uh, in fantasy baseball. And then Kent Maeda. He's away from the Dodgers. They're not. They, they're not going to play the games anymore. Uh, and it'd be really hard even for the Dodgers to play the games with this shortened season. I think Kent Maeda has his best uh, overall year, uh, at least on a per start basis uh, this season. So Kent Maeda in Minnesota, give me all those shares.
1: Malik Smith to me is one of those guys that's so frustrating. And I understand he's definitely a better roto league player, but I would see him. Uh, you know two or three games in a row you know go two for three with two stolen bases next game go three for four with a homer and a steal and and he would flash such potential you pick him up off the waiver wire and then just go oh for three with two k's for three consecutive games um are, are you staying completely away from him in points leagues or uh do you feel like at some point, either here or a little bit later, you still pick them up. I mean,
2: points. it really depends on your scoring system. And this is, this is when it's really important to have like a spreadsheet or draft software or, you know, and run your, run your specific points uh, system through that software or that spreadsheet and really figure out, okay, this, you know, Malik Smith in one league may be a top 100 player and in another league may not be a top 250 player. Uh, it really just depends on how much your league values stolen bases in terms of your points format. So, uh, I mean, and, and that is true for just about every player. The worst thing you can do if you're playing in a points league is enter with uh, ADP as your draft sheet or ranking just regular rankings as your draft sheet that have not been run through any sort of program that tells you, okay, these projections, you know, say that I'm going to get this amount of points, for this player. Um, and I see it all the time in home leagues. I even see it in some of the best industry leagues. Where guys and women just draft based on. You know their roto ranks. Or based off uh, their own personal rankings or whatever. And they don't account for this, the, the, the point system. That's being played in that particular league. And it's a huge mistake. So uh, you know some leagues Malik Smith is going to be a bargain. And in some leagues he's going to be over overpriced uh, when you're talking about points leagues because of that. So here's my big
1: thing. Why I'm against Malik Smith. (laughs) He was, he was demoted May 1st last year. I, I really like the people that you brought up Chris Davis, Hunter Dozier, especially because he plays first third and outfield. But I I think the opportunity cost, I, I agree in a roto league because he'll get you a lot of steals, but he had played basically a full season the season before, um, I just think at round 15, I'd rather have someone like Chris Davis that's that has a much better well, – will be in the majors the entire year, but has a really good chance to um, have
2: a high ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'll push back a little bit. I mean, part of the reason he was demoted is because he was struggling coming off the elbow injury. Um, and I mean, you look at the rest of the season and he put up, I mean, at least from a fantasy perspective, like he, like, this is the difference between being a good fantasy player and being a good baseball player. Malik Smith is not a very good baseball player, but when it comes to fantasy, (laughs) like there is, there is a ton of value in his stolen bases in fantasy. Um, I mean, same thing with like Billy Hamilton though. I mean, Billy Hamilton was a much better overall baseball player, uh, than Malik Smith because of his defense. Because uh, in spite of being fast, Malik Smith is not a good defensive player. Um, but in terms of fantasy, like we care about pure numbers production and and what we can expect. And uh, I I fully expect. I mean, like who who is who who is the uh, who are the uh, the Mariners going to put in for Malik Smith? Like th- there's like not much there for them. Are they going to put D Gordon back into center field because that worked out so well before? Um, like, I don't think they're going to yeah. start service time clocks on guys like, uh, clinic and, uh, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, so like, I, I think that this is a team that's rebuilding and if they're ever going to get trade value worked up for a guy like Malik Smith, they've got to play him.
0: Yeah. absolutely.
2: Do you,
0: uh, do, do you like, um, Hunter Dozier mm-hmm. too, cause he was a big prospect and last year seemed like the first time he really put it together. Do you like the projections have his batting average drop in 25 points. Do you think the projections have that right? That he's going to go, that he was uh, over, over um, last
2: year? I don't know that. I, I mean, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I mean, he definitely overperformed uh, a, a tad bit. But, I mean, you also have to remember projection systems largely run based on, like, how a player produced over the course of his career. And his short career has, you know, weighs down those average numbers because he hit 229 in in 2018. But he's also a guy that, like, he murders the baseball. Like, you go check out his baseball savant page. um, And, like, you know, typically he's, like, one of those guys that's, like, all red in the stat cast categories. Um, And that kind of stuff, you know, tends to lead to guys having good overall numbers. Uh, And I like the fact, you know, I mean, depending on what kind of league you're playing in, um, you know, there are very few players who are multi-positional eligible for the infield and the outfield. There's a lot of guys who, you know, the LeMahues, the Munseys uh, that are uh, multi-positional eligible uh, all around the infield, but to get that infield outfield, especially if you're playing like in a best ball format or like, you know, points leagues, like you guys like to play um, like that's, that h- does have a fair amount of value. I think he's a guy who's going to hit, you know, 25, you know, maybe, well, <laughs> how many games are we playing? So uh, in, in a full season, it would hit yeah, 25, right. you know, to 30 home runs with like a 260 kind of batting average. Um, you know, the shortened season—it's mm-hmm. uh, gonna. I mean, man, throwing out stat lines in a shortened season is gonna be such a crapshoot because guys get on heaters or guys get on cold streaks. They're not gonna have the time to turn it around or to uh, or to cool off uh, as uh, as quickly as we had in in years past. So, um, it's gonna be really really interesting to see how a shortened season really affects things. Um. Yeah, we're going to have I, a lot of I think so. I think like, so. I think, like here, this is going to be like, I mean, I play in a lot of high stakes leagues um, and, and there are going to be a lot of people who uh, play in high stakes leagues like me uh, that are scared away from them because I think this is going to be year that is kind of like a crapshoot uh, for, I mean, a lot more fantasy football-esque than fantasy baseball, where there's going to be a lot more luck involved than in years past because you're just going to you know, happen upon the guy who gets hot for 60 games. And if we're only playing 80 games, I mean, that's three-fourths of the season right there that you just got a guy who's super hot. Yeah.
1: You know, as the uh, I'm a big Twins fan. I feel like I have to mention the pick below, and it's Mr. Empty Promise, Brian uh, Byron Buxton, to sit in there, you know, 60 games. <laughs>
2: That's maybe yeah. that's just enough.
1: For, <laughs> and not, and not
2: like, it's like a buying opportunity know. for Buxton right now because he's going like pick what one seventy eight right now. Like, uh, there's a lot yeah. of upside in Byron Buxton, uh, and the Twins have enough offense without him where they could just go, "Hey, we're going to put you in the nine hole and let you play premium defense. So as long as you're healthy, we're just going to run you out there." And mm-hmm. like, I so I think. Buxton's one of those guys that are ending up is going to end up on a lot more of my teams now that there is a shortened season than he would have a month ago when we thought we were getting 162 games.
1: Agreed, definitely. Um, we'll move on now to uh, our question of the week. Hit it, Chris Brown. <laughs> All right. Question of the week. This was trending on Twitter actually this past week started from Jack Flair. Uh, I'm sure Justin you saw this. The top 5 ultimate pitch arsenal of all time. You can use any player ever. Um so I was looking at a bunch of these and it was fun to see a lot of these names uh thrown around. So uh Eric, I'm going to start with you. Your your ultimate 5 pitch mix with the five players you have throwing those pitches. All right so go ahead and start uh, they're, they're all somewhat recent um, fastball Craig Kimbrell when he was with the Braves and you know what I'm talking about the rising fastball oh my god that was so disgustingly nasty uh, changeup Johan Santana did you read mm-hmm. my notes mm-hmm. Cutter gotta, gotta give it to Mariano Rivera I know that's a popular answer but gotta be obvious uh, Curve, Rich Hill Rich Hill has oh. a great curveball And then sinker, Brandon Webb, Chris Snyder, who caught him at the time said it was like catching a brick. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't, I didn't think about Mm -hmm. Brandon Webb one. That's a good throwback. I was excited about that one. Um, Art, who's, what's your five pitch mix?
0: Um, well, if it can be all time, I'm going to go back and get some greats. My fastball is going to be the Ryan express. I'm going to take Nolan Ryan's fastball. Um, I'll take Greg Maddox's circle change, uh, so answer. I'm gonna have that. I'm going have that in my arsenal. Uh, Kerry Wood's curveball. Mm. Um, my slider. I did a little research on this. Uh, I'm gonna go with Bob Feller, not because I ever saw it, but because he said it was why he was able to get get strikeouts. In nineteen in nineteen forty six he struck out three hundred and forty eight. Second place was two seventy five and third was one hundred and seventy two. So he was, you know, more than double the league in strikeouts. He said it was his slider. So I'm taking Bob Feller's slider. I think that's four. Four and, okay, and five. Uh, I, Dave Stewart's split finger pitch. He had four straight twenty-win seasons. It turned him into a great, great ace of a staff. I'm going to take Dave Stewart's split face. Complete
1: opposite answers <laughs> I gave.
0: Well done.
1: <laughs> all right, Justin,
2: what's your? Five all right, well, minutes? a couple of them already been mentioned. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you could not pick Mariano Rivera's cutter. I mean, dude had one pitch. You knew it was coming, and you still mm-hmm. couldn't hit it when it counted most. Uh, it just, I mean, he, dude was filthy, best closer of all time. Uh, and I mean literally one pitch to his Arsenal. Um Johan Santana's changeup. Uh I, I was listening to uh one of my favorite non fantasy baseball related podcasts the other day. There's a baseball podcast called uh, the podcast. Uh I don't know if you've uh, if everybody's ever uh checked it out, but well worth going and, and listening. Uh and they had uh Brandon McCarthy on there and he was talking about watching Johan Santana throw his changeup uh, while, you know, in the opposing dugout. And everybody knew it was coming. He would tip the pitch, and no one could hit it still. Because it just it just looked so much like his fastball coming out of his hand. Uh, people just mm-hmm. buckled at it. Uh, and it didn't matter if you knew it was coming. It, it was one of the dirtiest pitches around. And here's, here's where we start to get a little bit different from, from the previous mentioned pitches. Uh, I'll take Roy Halladay's knuckle curve.
1: Oh, I mean, good. Halliday
2: was one of my favorite yeah. pitchers when he was going. And, and it may have been because that's, a, you know, the start of his career is about the start, uh, start of the time I started playing fantasy. Uh, but, man, there was nothing prettier than watching Roy Halladay strike out a guy. And that knuckle curve was a huge part of it. Uh, I mean, you could go with, like, a million different fastballs. Like, there's so many guys that could be mentioned for, like, their fastball. But, man, Pedro Martinez uh, was one of the – just sickest players to ever go up on a mound dude was like 165 pounds you know soaking wet uh and just could blow by you know some of the best hitters in the game all juiced up on steroids uh and he would just blow people away so i went with pedro martinez uh and then randy Johnson's slider uh pe- people forget like yeah. he was not like a hall of fame pitcher until he developed that slider he always had the great fastball and it was amazing but it was still just one pitch when he developed that slider and started wiping people out, that's when he became like the Cy Young award winner, uh, the guy that everybody wanted on their fantasy team, the guy everybody wanted on their actual team. Uh, so Randy Johnson's slider is my fifth pitch.
1: That's a good mix. The one thing bad about going last is there's definitely a couple of my guys off that I already had. I, I, of course, like you said, Justin, you have to have the Mariano Rivera cutter. I uh, had the Johan Santana change up. Um, God, I mean, that, that pitch was so disgustingly nasty from him. Um, the couple ones I have that you guys didn't have, I have the Jose mm-hmm. Fernandez slider, the late, great Jose Fernandez. I, I think he was just – his trajectory was just insane if he had, hadn't had – I just uh, want his smile. Away. That's
2: what I want. Like, I, I – like. You, yeah, I mean, like, part, part of what made him such a, you know, likable player was just how much fun he had on that mound. Uh, and I wish every player in Major League Baseball just had his attitude. Mm-hmm. His energy was so infectious. Um,
1: I have the Clayton Kershaw curveball. Um, I think, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is going to be a Hall of Fame, right? That curveball is, I think, up there with some of the best that I've at least ever seen. David, it was um, between me and Rich Hill for that curveball. I like that you went the Richel, so I can shine with the Clayton Kershaw yeah. on it. Um, and then fastball, I mean, if I'm a hitter at the plate, the one guy's fastball I do not want to see is Aroldis Chapman. I mean, topping out at 106 miles an hour. Um, I, I mean, I was just actually, when I was putting together this list, I was watching him and, you know, his peak in Cincinnati and a little bit when he was first in with New York. Uh, I, I mean, God, it's if you want to see what it looks like, uh, major leaguer versus a minor leaguer. That's almost what his at bats or players at bats were like against him. Just they were just hoping just to put a, you know just their stick to it, just to make contact and, and you know put it in play. They were just so scared to strike out. Um, he's just it, intimidating. Was you know his fastball was electric. And honorable mention to Joel <laughs> Zumaya because was well, not a great pitcher, but. You go and watch some tape from the 2006 ALDS against the Yankees, and he was locating his 103 mile an hour fastball. Pretty filthy. the OG flamethrower, yeah, he was out of the league pretty quickly, <laughs> um, but he was the first guy you know Eric and I first started watching baseball in the early 2000s, like back in you know 2002, 2003, and uh, he was like the first guy I remember being able to get at that type of velocity.
2: Um, So,
1: honorable mentions. (laughs) This is
2: why you don't play Guitar Hero,
1: folks. (laughs) Uh, Last thing we'll do is we're going to move on to our game of the week. All right. So, our game this week, it is the year 2020. So, it's technically been a decade since 2010. So we have our 10-year trivia. These are the leaders in every single category that I'm going to give you over the last 10 years. All right? So I'm going to read you the category. You guys are going to write down who you think led the decade in that particular category. All right? There are multiple answers for a couple of the different categories. Uh, whoever has the most points at the end will win. Yep. You guys ready? So do we do mm-hmm. as many guesses as we want? or No, so the answers that have one person, you only get one guess. Okay. There's, I, got, there's, I got it. I got it. Uh, there's one that has two answers, and then there's one that has three answers. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Question one. <laughs> who led the Major League Baseball? Who I can't speak English. Who led Major League Baseball on homers? During this decade, he had 346. And I probably should have said to get a pen and paper or have your computer up. I'm not a good host. Question two This player led the major leagues in hits with 1695. 1695 question three this player led the decade in wins with 161 161 wins in the last 10 years Question four. This player recorded 2,452 strikeouts during these 10 years.
0: 2,452
1: strikeouts. Question five. this player won 3 yes 3 mvp awards during this decade question 6 this actually it's two players tied Both had three Cy Young Awards. So two answers here. Which two players won three Cy Young Awards? Question seven. These three players tied for the decade lead in all-star selections with eight. Three players had eight all-star selections in these 10 years. Who are they? Last two questions coming up. Question eight. This team won three World Series titles this decade. This team won three World Series titles. And our last one, really quick. This team... Led the decade with 921 wins. And we're going to go through it really quick. 12 possible answers. Yep. Is everybody ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number one. This player had 346 home runs. That is oh. Nelson Cruz. Oh. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I knew that. Eric on the board. Make sure you track your score. We're going to count at the end. Question number two. This player had 1,695 hits. That is Robinson to Oh. oh. Hmm. Question number three. This player had 161 wins. That is Max yep. Scherzer. Yes. 161 wins. All right. Question four. This player had 2,452 strikeouts. That is also oh. Max Scherzer.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> a couple
1: <of> <laughs> answers for that one, possibly. Question number five. This player had three MVP awards. That is yep. one Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Question number six. These two players both won three Cy Young Awards. That is Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer. Oh. Yeah, dude, you really love Max Scherzer. He's just a statistical savant. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Question number seven, decade.
1: these players had eight all-star selections. We have Mike Trout, we have Clayton Kershaw, and we have oh. Yadier Molina. I got two or three. I didn't get any. But how'd you not get Mike <laughs> Trout, Eric? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I thought that maybe he, he had seven or something and you were trying to trick us. I had Cabrera, Cano, and Pujols, people that I, I know had played. Question number eight, World Series titles with three, that is the same. Of course,
2: nine-year championships, baby.
1: Yes, and mm-hmm. last question nine nine hundred and twenty one <laughs> wins. That is the oh, New York. Yankees. I had the
2: Red Sox. Oh, <laughs> Dodgers. I had Red uh, Sox. So face. count your totals
1: yeah. up. Eric, what'd you finish with? Six. Art.
0: Six. Justin. Five.
1: Ah, uh, we have a tie with Justin and Eric. They are both our winners today. Nice job. <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> ah, we're handshaking over the phone. <laughs> Well, Justin, we really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, You can follow Justin at at Justin Mason, FWFB, on Twitter. Make sure to check out the uh, great fantasy baseball invitational and all his great content he puts out there. Uh, Justin, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Justin. (laughs) Thank, Thank you. So you know my friend.